welcome to the fifth episode of the Free Spirit Academy podcast with cleansing expert and colon hydrotherapist Gil Jacobs. Free Spirit Academy is about you being fully you. My name is Randy Moss, and I'm an eating psychology coach and kundalini yoga teacher, bringing you conversations about freedom from rigid diets, painful body image, and never-ending cycles of self-help and self-improvement. This is about honoring our own bodies and our purest self-expression. Welcome to the podcast. is special and it takes a bit of a twist. So coming from the background of disordered eating and extreme dieting that I do and presenting a message that's very much about getting off the diets and trusting our bodies, I wasn't sure how I was going to offer this talk with Gil. And at the same time, he was in the top five people I absolutely knew that I had to share. So if you listened to the first episode, you heard me talk about the years of disordered eating leading into raw foods and juice fasting and cleansing and how I took it all to such an obsessive extreme that the only way to find myself among the self-help chaos was to quit. And quit I did. I swapped the juice fasting and lifetime of perfection hunting for this quest to settle into my skin and learn to like myself as I was without this hope of weight loss as my primary dream goal. And once I wasn't trying to fix myself, I was actually able to get to know myself. When I scrapped all of the rules and all of the food dogma and all of the attempts at manipulating my body, and I told myself that you know, you don't, you don't know your body. You've been trying to control yourself for so long. You don't even know what your body likes. You don't even know what your body thrives on. You don't know who you are when you're not trying to fix yourself. Um, and if you gain weight, this is me talking to myself, obviously at the time, um, if you gain weight in the process, but you're more yourself than you were before, that is a worthwhile swap. So I was like, I'm just going to plan on it. I'm going to plan on gaining weight And I did. I put on some weight. I bought some clothes from the thrift store because I didn't, this was kind of an experiment. I didn't know where my body was going to land. And I proved to myself that I could love myself at a higher weight, eating absolutely whatever I wanted. So that was the first step in becoming free. Just personally in my skin was the ceasing of the constant fixing. And over the course of months, I began to feel less and less like myself. So I developed joint pain and skin problems and the worst PMS and periods that I had had since I was a teenager. The depression and migraines that I had struggled with came back. And I really don't think I realized how much of a fog I was in until I slowly began to find my way out. So at this point having no more rules and no more like purposeful restriction on myself, any dietary curiosity I had was rooted in pure self-love and absolutely open-ended curiosity. And I no longer had any identity in any particular way of eating because for so long, right, I, I was the healthy one. I was the one who was so good around food and people commented on that. And I, I clung to that as part of who I was and how people saw me. So I I had let go of the identity. I was fine if my weight went up or down. I just wanted to feel good, feel like myself again. And I have a high bar for that. I want to wake up feeling well and not need coffee to bring me up and alcohol to bring me down. I want to feel like I'm actually connected with life and connected with myself and food as much as I'd done an amazing job of convincing myself that no food was bad and it was a perfect step and I still refuse to label foods as bad. I was feeling pretty bad. So Gil Jacobs, the amazing man you're going to hear from today, was basically my teacher's teacher. The woman whose books completely turned my world upside down, Natalia Rose, who I mentioned in the first episode, studied under Gil Jacobs, and I consider him absolutely to be the highest authority in the wellness world. Now here's why this comes with a warning. He might say things that are extreme, or that appear extreme. And as I was listening back over this, I was like, can I really put this out? If I'm teaching the intuitive eating thing, and if I'm practicing the intuitive eating thing, does this throw a giant monkey wrench into the whole game? But the truth is, as I settled into it, and I've, I've been settling into this for a long time, 
intuition leads us to more than just food. And truly what I was doing wasn't purely intuitive eating. There was there was some instinctual eating happening. There was eating from the part of me that was scared and wounded and had been restricted and forced and molded for so many years. And there there's a difference between the sort of instinctual eating, the um the you know, the the eating that was sort of programmed into me at my earliest years when emotional eating and checking out with food was first developing for very good reasons. Um and and so I was I was still learning what my intuition was. So intuition leads us to more than just food. It leads us to teachers and books and paths. And I could not possibly be more grateful for this one. So a little background for you. And I told Gil I'd be filling you in on his background a little bit. So this is with his permission. Many years ago, Gil tried to take his own life. He failed but spent years deathly, deathly, deathly ill. And his willingness to live, combined with what seems to me like an otherworldly sense for truth, led him to the body detoxification principles that he shares today. And in his 60s, he is one of the most vibrant, clear people I have ever encountered. And I mean it when I say Free Spirit Academy would not be what it is today without these principles. When I learned to begin cleansing my body, removing obstruction from my body, removing obstruction from the free flow of energy in my body, I began to feel glimpses of who I really was. My ideas about illness and disease and weight and life as a whole were radically shifted. So when I began removing from my body what was in the way of me really being me, just the pure flow of myself without the symptoms and fogginess and lack of clarity, among other things, I could never see the world the same way again. So I don't advocate for extremes. I really don't. I do advocate for intuitive eating and listening to the body, and I do advocate for curiosity and experiment. And with all of that, what I've learned is that you can have two people side by side doing seemingly the same thing, let's say eating a vegan diet, and one of them could be an obsessive, body dysmorphic, binge eating, calorie counting head case, and the other could just be a happy human eating what makes sense for them. So I returned effortlessly to so many of the principles that I'd struggled with in my disordered eating days from a place of complete ease and refusal to be dogmatic. My biggest message with diet at this point is to get connected with your body and then follow joy. Follow what feels good, and maybe what feels best right now is sharing a fancy pizza with your friends after years of desperately resisting the pizza and then going home and binging on something else. That was it for me for a while. That was following joy. Or maybe joy is saying no to the thing that you know leaves you feeling unwell and disconnected, even if it means you're kind of the oddball. Truly stay curious, stay embodied, and follow joy. As you follow joy, Joy will lead you to your next steps. Your path will take you. If you're committed to being yourself and following joy, I'm being redundant here, but the path will take you and it will evolve and you will evolve. I have purposely edited this edited this to not include exact dietary recommendations, but I will leave trustworthy links if anyone is curious about Gil's work, if you want to get to know him and know more specifically about what he recommends. So today what we will talk about is all sorts of crazy good stuff like colonics and juicing, how cleansing physically is similar to mental and emotional cleansing. We'll talk about how blessing or praying over your food doesn't magically transform it into something your body will love, though I do want to throw in the special mention that this may be exactly what's appropriate during certain periods of making peace with food. We'll talk about why it isn't useful to just go off on a cleanse in a box and why consistent care of the body is far more effective than extremes. How if I hadn't found the cleansing lifestyle, I would very likely have ended up on some sort of drugs, and I'll talk about that in the conversation. And how cleansing is all about our human potential. It goes so far beyond some idea of a bikini body. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation with Gil Jacobs. (music) 
what I do is I work with women coming from a background of disordered eating, and a lot of what we do together is about, you know, getting to know the parts of ourselves that we've shut down or that we aren't expressing and going back into childhood and sort of waking up some of the old trauma that's causing them to want to shut down or control with food and um, seeing it clearly so that it can be released. So first, how would how would you relate this to physically cleansing the body? How is it similar to cleansing on a mental and emotional level? Well, if you look at how psychoanalysis works or rebirthing, uh, it's the same paradigm as what we're doing with cleansing because you go into a, a Freudian psychoanalysis person or you go into a rebirther and the psychoanalysis person starts doing therapy and they start asking you about your life and as they, you keep going to them, they get into the depth and now you're bringing up things from your childhood and all this pain and all this negative life experience comes up and when you're speaking about it, you're crying, you're bawling. It's shaking the hell out of you. But if the therapist is skilled, he gets you in the speaking of this to rid yourself of the memory and the pain of it. So you dig in deep to someone's past life, not past life, meaning like that type of stuff, but early life experience. You dig that up, you deal with it, and you purge it. In rebirthing, you go to a rebirther ten times, their goal is to bring you into your past, and in the 10th session, you're in the womb. They're psychologically working with you as you were in the room, womb, going through whatever trauma was going on when you were in the womb. And then from that, these discoveries allow you to get rid of whatever trauma you lived with. In cleansing, we do the same thing. The trauma comes in the form of Captain Crunch. Mm. It comes in the form of food we ate in high school, dorm food, drugs, alcohol, beer, food you ate when you were 10, food you ate when you were unconscious, is stored in the body creating cellular trauma. The same way living through an awful experience as a child is poisoning your heart chakra, Mm -hmm. the bad food, which is an awful experience from your youth, is poisoning your cells. So the technique and the paradigm is the same. We dig in, we awaken the depths of held-in trauma, we release the trauma, we better our being. Mm-hmm. You see, it's the same exact paradigm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so talking with people all over the spectrum on the topic of detoxification, you've got people who think it's all bullshit and you have people on the other side who think that, you know, trying to fast over a weekend or taking some herbs will make up for what they've eaten. So it's really all over the place out there. So can you describe what how what you do is different from like a cleanse in a box? Well, I, my line is cleansing is a verb, not a noun. <laughs> in other words... I mean, I grew up Catholic, so anyone who's Catholic, I'm not anymore, I'm an atheist, but but, um, anyone who's Catholic can relate to this. There's a concept in Catholicism called concession, and what you do is you go into this little box, there's a priest on the other end, even non-Catholics know what concession is. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, I screwed the maid, I did whatever (laughs) I did, and then he gives you five prayers to say, you come out and you say the prayers, and what they're telling you, the pitch is, your soul is all clean. They've purged all the sin from your being. And then, you know, the goof is you go out, you fuck around, you drink, you smoke, you sin <laughs> again, you go back a month later, he cleans you up again. You see? Yeah. We do not use the Catholic confession approach in cleansing. <laughs> in other words, what I don't want to see people do, what I beg them not to do, is I'm going to live normal, I'm going to live normal, I'm going to live normal, and then I'm going to take a week and do a cleanse. Then I'm going to live normal, going to live normal, going to live normal, then I'm going to take a week and do a cleanse. Mm -hmm. That technique really works the nervous system pretty poorly. Mm -hmm. We call it the camel hump technique. Where you go up, I'm fasting, I'm juicing, I'm living on fruit. Oh, I went to a wedding in Ibiza and I did drugs and ate like a pig and I did that for a week. But now I'm going to week care and I'm going to fast for six days. Oh, it was somebody's bar mitzvah and I ate like a pig. That whole dynamic is not cleansing to me. That's people basically trying to steal their way to health. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it's about. To me, what we need to create, and this is why I I don't go for, I'm going away to such and such, or I'm just going to live there for two weeks, because once I'm there, i got to do what they tell me. But what happens when you come out? So the term I love to use when we work with people in cleansing, we want to create a moderately 
to substantially cleansing daily experience. Mm -hmm. We want to create a daily experience that allows people to cleanse on a constant, perpetual level. Mm -hmm. Something they could do comfortable, their, comfortably their entire life, every day, without having to feel they're in food prison. Mm -hmm. Something they can do for long periods of time that they don't have to wait for the final day. When people get all dogmatic, and they're telling 300 pound people they should do juice fast, they should be fruitarian, they should be vegan, they should be raw. Again, it's like telling a Down syndrome kid to study calculus. You see? Right. All right. we want beginning people to do is do better than they were. And once they feel capable, we always look to make people capable. As they get capable, we gently keep raising the bar. So that over the course of time, if they choose to, they may be motivated to stay at level one, that's great. Like if they choose to continue, we gently raise the bar according to their comfort level. We do not dogmatically jam a fruit diet up their ass. Right, right. And I, that's us trying to feed us. Yes. That's us massaging our ego and waving our dogma flag. That is not us trying to help these people. Do you see? I'm yeah. very important. Oh, totally. And and I think it's important to say that all of this, like all of the cleansing work and everything that you do isn't cleansing for the sake of being good at cleansing. I always say, like, with my work with the emotional, emotional mental stuff and with the physical cleansing stuff, it's all about removing what's in the way of you just being you. That's oh, it. That's huge. Huge. Yeah. Huge. 100%. The whole purpose of this stuff is to become the best possible people we can be. In other words, we're all born with a bucket of human potential. People say, so do you think people who eat like you and cleanse like you are better than people who don't? I say, no, I don't think that at all. What I do think is that people who eat like me and cleanse like me tap our human potential. Now, I don't know what everyone's human potential is. Some people, it's very big, like Nikolai Tesla. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of great human beings out there. Elon Musk. His bucket is a lot bigger than my bucket, that's for sure. <laughs> However, I can guarantee you the percentage of my tapping, whatever my limit for effectiveness as a human being is, is higher than anyone who's living on cheeseburger platters. Right. I'm not saying I'm more effective because they could have come in with a lot more human potential. It's but this lifestyle allows you to tap your potential for love, for empathy, for humor, for effective human interaction. Mm. In and to itself, it is as useless as tits on a bull. Right. Because bull don't have tits. <laughs> it's useless. And what a lot of people are doing with the information, they are using it as its own reward. I'm doing a 200-day fast. Mm. Why? Right. I'm only eating lemons for the next eight days. Why? How is this making you a better person? Is right. this making you a better boyfriend? Is this making you a better girlfriend or parent? or worker, or human being, is this opening up your heart? What is it doing? See, and there's an expression, the tail is wagging the dog. For a lot of people who get into this cleansing stuff, the tail is wagging the dog. They're out of control. They have no interest in life other than what they're eating. Mm -hmm. That's not what this is about. This is supposed to make us better people. Well, and it was interesting. More loving, yes. more understanding. That's yes. what it's about. Yes. And and it's about the removal, right? Like not what we're putting in that makes us better or more superior, but what sure. we're removing in that's, words, you know, getting out of the perfect. way of what's there. Yes. What messes us up is whatever is in our way. Yes. Clear the fields and we're fabulous. Yes. Clear the fields and we're fabulous. But it must be done with the right intent. Yes. If it's done from an ego space. I'm doing a 98-day fast, and I'm putting pictures of myself on Facebook because I'm fabulous. That's not going to help anyone. And usually people who do it from that perspective don't succeed. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised. They don't succeed. Something gets them eventually. Right. Well, my so, experience was with when I was doing these 70 and 90-day fasts, and I, I was very much in that headspace, um, it was really what broke me. And it was like, well, God, if I can do this most extreme thing, and I essentially still don't like myself and still don't like my body, and like nothing works at the end of this, then what was, like, there was no point. No point. Correct. But it was my moment of, like, turning inwards. 
and finally doing this from a space of self-love. If you have an emotional hole, if there's a pain body, Eckhart Tolle, the great guy that yeah. wrote Power and Now, talks about the pain body. If you don't address your pain body and you dive head first into the cleansing life, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. You, you can't heal your psychological pain just by cleansing. You've yes. got to deal with whatever went on. And when you meet people who do it this way, and I've done this work now 30 years, It just doesn't work for them because they're not dealing with what's really wrong. They're using the diet as something to take up their attention. Now I have something to look forward to. Now I have something to wake up for. Yes, or a way way of feeling in control. Yeah, it's it's a shame. shame. I've seen this for years, and you you wish you could get through to people. And this is why I'm a practitioner. If you're a practitioner... You want to encourage people not to be dogmatic and not to get taken in by extremes. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? Oh, because absolutely. one thing you know, I know we all know this. When you're feeling good in your body, when you're feeling light and clean, you're nice to everyone. Mm. You mm. love people. You're nice. The last thing you need to do when you feel good in your being is tell the world how fabulous you are right. and how fucked up people who eat meat are right. and how fucked up people who aren't vegan are. When you see health people attacking with that kind of venom, that tells you one thing. Their vessels are not clean. Right. Whatever they think they may have accomplished, they've accomplished nothing. Clean cells get mean. Right, absolutely. Clean cells don't get mean, they don't get vindictive, they don't yell and scream and curse at people for wearing fur coats. And I think it's so interesting that you call yourself an atheist, yet I feel like your perspective and your approach to life and to all of this is more spiritual than most spiritual people I know. Um, that's very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, well, when you do this stuff a long time, um... When you do this stuff a long time, you feel yourself through cleansing. Like when I get off the colonic table off uh, having done psyllium bentonite, and I'm high as a kite even to this day, you know, people could give me the finger and I'd say thank you. Like it it just Mm -hmm. makes you so content with life and so cellularly just happy that in that, whatever spirituality is, I don't have a clue what it is, but in that space of open cells and peace, you can just feel that this is what, you know, we want for everyone. Mm. You know? But it has to be done on a journey that works for the individual, based on the individual's limitations, and also the individual's motivations. Some people may not want to take it to the end, and that's their choice. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that, so the people that struggle with things psychologically, do you find that the physical cleansing work sort of shines a light on what they're dealing with psychologically and they aren't really able to handle it? Like they see things much more clearly. Oh, oh, that has happened many times. Yeah. People get into this from the right mindset. One of the things that happens when they cleanse, and it can be very... um, eye-opening for me, it's, it, and it's still, it happens often, and it's, it's pretty heavy, is in the middle of cleansing, it happens a lot in the middle of colonics, people will just start bawling, I mean literally bawling, just crying, mm-hmm. and I'm like, are you okay, does it hurt, and they say no, and they go into this whole memory, memories come up, because they're embedded in the self, mm-hmm. they're embedded in the matter, trauma is embedded, And when people get into fasting and cleansing, they will tell you they had dreams about this, they remembered this, all these buried things start coming up. Mm -hmm. And and that is the meaning of the word holistic. Holistic comes from hologram. It means the entire being. You see, so when you're cleansing the cells, the soul is going to purge. And for a lot of people, they walk away at that point because it's too much. And I don't judge them because when they start telling you what happened to them, I certainly don't judge them. I tell them maybe at some point in the future, if you sit with it, maybe you could try again. Or I'll I'll tell them to go see certain people I know who do work that can help them, like a polarity therapist. That's what makes polarity fabulous. 
Um, oh, yes, that happens a lot. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a romantic idea to just remove everything that's in the way of you being totally yourself. But, like, that oh, stuff that's in the way can be really painful to look at. And it's okay to take it so slow. So, so, so a, slow. A great way to look at this, too, on the physical plane, it's one of the real interesting things to discuss, is the concept of nutritional deficiency. Mm. Nutritional deficiency is tricky. You're born with everything you need. The only exception to this Humans at the beginning of time, and this is why long water fasting is bad. Humans at the beginning of time were born with the ability to make their own vitamin C. Through centuries and millenniums of wrong living, they lost the ability to make their own vitamin C. So vitamin C is a nutrient we need from the outside. Not by the inherent nature of being human, Mm -hmm. but by the fact we screwed ourselves up. Okay? Yeah. Now... Other than that, and maybe one or two little exceptions, like vitamin D3 now, the world's so polluted, it's not getting through this from the sun. There are one or two little mini exceptions can be discussed. But in general, and this is so quantum physics and so Buddhist and so fabulous, hmm. in general, every nutrient you need is in your being. Mm-hmm. And this ties into what you're saying about blockage. When a person who's 30 or 40 or 50 goes in to get a blood test, and comes up short in something. The assumption is they're short in something because they're not taking that something in. But in actuality, what is occurring is that what they're holding in their cells, the blockages in their physical cells from the waste, the gas, the yeast, the fungus, the parasites, the bad bacteria, the metals, all this blockage is eating up the matter they were born with. In other words, the B12 or whatever is missing is missing because the poison that's in their way is eating up what they were born with. It's not because they're not taking it in. Mm-hmm. C- can you see that? Oh, yeah. It's a huge yeah. difference. Absolutely. Huge difference. And yeah. that's why you don't see nutritional deficiencies in a lot of kids, right. even if they're eating shit, because they're not old enough to have collected enough matter to have started eating away their being. If I pour battery acid on your arm, you're going to have a big piece of flesh missing. Yes. That's what's going on internally. So that when people are nutritionally deficient, their first step is to go out and start taking what they're missing, but that's not where it's coming from. Right. And this, the reason I bring this up is because you're asking, don't you think what ruins us is what blocks us? Mm-hmm. And that's proof you're correct. Yes, absolutely. And there are so many, I mean, that's going to be extreme and controversial and it's beautiful and I love it. Um, and there are so many terribly, terribly misguided ideas about, about nutrition and about the human body in its, you know, in its current state versus how it, what its potential is. Um, what about the people who will say, like, you know, eat whatever you want, but just pray over it or just bless it or your vibration will okay, transmute it. Glad you said that. Here's the problem with that. The Buddhists have a great saying. It's fabulous. There is only one sin, standing in separation. Mm-hmm. And what standing in separation implies is that you think everyone is different than you. You think people are below you or not as important as you. Oh, hire the Mexicans. You can pay them 80 cents an hour. That's treating people as if they're less than you. Oh, it's just the maid, do what you want. Mm-hmm. Treating to that standing in separation. I'm over here, they're over there. Right. They can be treated less. A white kid on the Upper East Side is more valuable than a little black kid in the ghetto. That's standing in separation. Mm-hmm. It is the only sin. Now, when we talk about these people who say they can eat cheeseburgers, they can eat pizza, and they can transmute it to keep themselves healthy, They're standing in separation, and this is why. You talk to Fred Fisher, you read a lot of books, John Robbins, there's books out all over the place. You look at what meat does to the planet. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've read this. Mm -hmm. Watch the movie Food Inc., watch Cowspiracy. To create meat, the planet is killing itself. When you look at what happens for the creation of white flour, how many acres are wasted creating white flour, When you look at the dairy industry, not just the pains of the animals, but the feeding of the animals and how we waste, how we waste our um, resources on all this stuff. We're killing the planet with junk food. Junk food kills the planet. To say that you can eat a cheeseburger, which is hurting us all, 
It's hurting the birds. It's hurting the fish. It's hurting the trees. It's hurting us all. The unity of humanity gets damaged from the growing and processing of bad food. Ergo, for you to sit there and say, I can keep myself spiritual eating a cheeseburger, even though the cheeseburger is damaging my entire planet and all my fellow humans, that is the ultimate in standing in separation, and that's the proof it's bullshit. But the problem with a lot of health practitioners is their main interest is themselves, mm-hmm. not the person they're speaking with. Mm-hmm. Their main interest is in preaching dogma. It's like Jehovah's Witnesses. They're knocking on doors and trying to convert. That's not what health counseling is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. At all. Absolutely. And I'll let you in on another secret. Um, this is going to rock some clocks. <laughs> When you've been through the process mm-hmm. and you've seen yourself come from the dirt, I had two feet and an arm in the coffin mm-hmm. to kill myself, which I've put out, out probably a million times. When I got all better, I knew the truth had been given to me. It wasn't my truth. It was given to me by books I read and people I met. I just was now in this line of truth by these brilliant people. I didn't need to go yelling and screaming. Once you've lived the concept and you own the concept, yes. you don't care if yes. people listen to you. Yes. But when you're preaching and preaching and preaching and writing and posting and yelling and judging, what that tells me is that's an individual who hasn't succeeded yet at the life. Right. Because I'll tell you this, when you succeed at the life, you don't give a fuck hmm. if people hear you speak. You just live and be nice to people. Once people jump on the soapbox, it means they have an intellectual truth that they're very connected to, but believe me, it hasn't altered their selves yet. Exactly. Because if it's altered their selves, Mm -hmm. they shut the fuck up. Yes. And they talk to whoever approaches them versus trying to punch the world in the face with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's because you realize it once you've embodied it and once your cells have let go of all of this density and all of this stuff that you've taken and all this stuff that isn't really you, you get to become you. And there's such a gentleness and such an ease. And you don't, like you said, you don't have to bash anybody over the head. You just, you want this for other people if they're open to it. Correct. Yeah, it's the rock and the pond technique. You know, you affect people with your being. Yes. You know, like you walk into a room, you keep quiet. Somebody says, hey, you, you, like for me at this point in my life, it's, it gets easier and easier as you get older because I'm 60 now and I can easily, when I'm cleaned up and shaved and pass for much, much younger. So I never bring up my lifestyle when I'm away from my work, ever. Yes. So if I'm at a social function and, you know, it's, it's nice cocktail party talk. Hey, this guy pumps asses for a living. Ha ha, it breaks a lot of ice right. in social situations. Yeah. And everyone starts laughing, but then someone will say, tell them how old you are. And once I say that, now all the laughing stops. And now the, the door is open for people. They want to, they hey, what are you doing? And you can tell in the tone that they really want to know, and that's when you speak. Absolutely. Otherwise, you keep quiet. Yes, yes. There's you a great people thing to in you. Buddhism, you can only have a teacher when you have an inquiring student. Mm-hmm. If no one's asking, you shut the fuck up. Yes, yes, it's and so that's powerful. What's missing in the health movement. Yes, you wait for the request and then you speak. Well, it's missing in the health movement because we don't have any powerfully clean-celled, magnetic, healthy people. It's a rare Correct. thing, and so people are happy Correct. to spread their messages. The if you are that way, you're quiet and unassuming. Yes, and I want to say but so. For the people listening who haven't seen Gil, you, I will post videos in the show notes for you to go get more of the details on what he's talking about as far as the cleansing protocol and the lifestyle. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube, and this man does not look 60 years old. It's eerie. Like, it's kind of creepy. He really looks like a much younger man. And not to bring it all back to the surface, but it is. That's where we start. Like We, we see something on the surface that is different from what we're seeing in our day-to-day life, and we begin to ask questions. And then there's so much depth beyond that, because while that may not be the reason that we get into this it's very interesting it's 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 what it's what can definitely pique interest to start at least yeah and 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 one of the things people have to know we talk about binging and food and things yes. now i live in manhattan 
where everyone is basically single. And when you're working with people, and you always want to, and as a woman, most of the people who do this are women, so you can really yep. confide in people. A lot of people, when they learn all this food stuff, they're alone, they're single, and creating a meal becomes their night out. Yes, yes. It becomes their date. So when the end of the workday comes and they're alone, they get uber creative in the kitchen and end up eating a lot more food than they need. So we need to look into our depth and find that space. Like, you know, that where is that isolation? What is that about? What do we need to really deal with? Do we need to put ourselves out there? Yes. Because the substituting of food is not a good thing to be doing. No, absolutely not. And that's not to make anybody feel guilty if they're using food no, as no, an emotional no, no crutch. Judgment. Not at all. We all do it. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah, and and the way that I work with people is to, what they're already doing, I have them really slow down with it, because I was in that place too, right? Like, at the end of the day, I'd have my big, beautiful meal, and it would take me, like, over an hour to eat, and the way that I began to step away from that was to not make myself guilty, and to really sit with it and feel it, and be like, what does this meal feel like? Like, have a real experience of it, before I could really begin to put some space between me and the fact that I was numbing out with food. Um, you yeah. mentioned the ways that people sort of knock themselves out earlier. And we talked about drugs and shopping and sex and all this stuff. I'm really curious your thoughts. So it's big in the health world right now. And I'm sure you've seen this, this really high fat diet thing. And I see it even in like the yoga communities and the spiritual communities, this high yeah, fat. Yes. So not only that, so people are really into this high fat diet or paleo diet and into like psychedelics and drugs and nootropics. So it's. Yeah, sure. I what mean, do you what are your thoughts on that? Thousand people take ayahuasca. Yeah, what do you, know? what do you think of all that? Um, this is going to sound strange, and, okay. and I'm, I'm going to get hammered for this, but it's okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to get hammered. It won't be the first time um, in this call. Gonna, this I don't judge anyone. I think yeah. everyone should do what they need to do to try to improve their being. And if they think ayahuasca is a means to purge emotional trauma and that's truly why they're doing it I would never knock them I'm only going to say for myself for myself this is why I, I don't do it when we live in the uh, western culture we have a lot of advantages that other people don't I mean it's a lot easier mm-hmm. living in um the United States than it is in third world countries. Believe me, I've been there. People have it really rough. We're blessed with a lot of stuff. Because of the way we live and because we don't live indigenously, there's a lot of things we don't have. Herbs, plants, Mm -hmm. all of this. Whenever I look at, or I try to ask myself, do I want to do this? What do I think of this? I'm saying this just for me. I'm not projecting this on anyone else. I always say, take away technology. Mm. Because I truly believe technology has not benefited humanity in the heart chakra, in the spirit, in the soul. Mm. It gets in the way. So if you took technology away and you looked at life from an agrarian space, we're all living the way we're supposed to. You know, Mm. wherever you are, you live off the land, etc. The only people who would be able to get ayahuasca are people who live in Peru and (laughs) near Peru. Mm. We wouldn't be able to get near it since that's the only place it grows. Ergo, I don't feel I have the right to take it. That's how I look mm-hmm. at stuff. There, there's a lot of people go to the Amazon. There, there's a poison off the back of a frog in the Amazon that's used for a similar purpose to ayahuasca. I've had a lot of friends run to the Amazon to take this, this venom mm-hmm. off the back of these Amazonian frogs. I'm not making this up. And they work with shamans and they have all these experiences. But for me, it feels like, oh, so I'm the wealthy white guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm wealthy because I'm not. Because I can pay for a plane ticket. I can take a piece of technology which never should have existed in the first place, go to a part of the world which I ne- never would have been able to see without it, take from their culture, and then come back to my fat and happy high rise. Mm-hmm. And it just feels inherently wrong to me. Mm. That's for me. I'm not mm-hmm. judging anyone else. So when you hear to me all this talk about these different kind of plants and head drugs for purging and cleansing, and I just try not to go near it. 
It's why I don't do goji berries. I know it sounds stupid. <laughs> I get hammered for this a lot. Yeah. But with no technology, I don't think I know goji berries existed because they don't grow in the United States, to my knowledge. It's true. You know, so I, I, I think if people want to do these things to purge their emotions, go ahead. But you got to respect where you are. You've got to really look at these indigenous cultures that have deep-rooted histories. We have no right to just horn in and start ripping at their, their history, their culture, and their practices. Just for me, personally, it feels wrong. In a, in a symposium of people who really spend their lives looking at dietetics to improve the cells and the soul, does the ketogenic diet have a seat at that table? In my opinion, no way. Not even close. They're not even in the lobby. Right. But do I diss it? No, because it works for a lot of average American people. Right, it works to a degree. It works for certain things. It works for weight loss. If that's all you're looking for, that's fine. I'm I'm just so intrigued by the sort of like the yogi community who uh, who wants to eat for enlightenment, let's say, or like eat to feel connected to themselves or connected to the universe or whatever it is their well, goal is. And this is what's is happening right now. Hmm. Now this again, my opinion. I'm going to mm-hmm. get hammered, but that's yep. okay. Most people who pursue health and diet are not taught about colonics and enemies. It's a right, very small right. percentage of, of the radical health population. In my limited opinion, if you don't include bowel cleansing when you pursue diet, you better pursue middle of the road. Yes. Because if you pursue the high end of the spectrum minus colonics and enemies, you're going to fall. So I believe what happens to all these people they try the raw diet, they try the vegan diet, they try the fruit diet. No one's talking to them about bowels. They get sick and weak and icky mm-hmm. so that when they go to these middle-of-the-roaders, the stimulation makes them feel better. Yes, and it's it's and so it's sad because... If they're this... not going to do colonics and yes. animals, then they're better off doing the stimulation diet. And yes. that's why I leave them alone. Yes, as far as their physical health, absolutely. And I think it's sad because you have a lot of these beautifully big-hearted people who want to not eat animal products because they love animals, they love the earth, everything we were talking about earlier, but they don't feel well. And then they think the vegan diet is deficient and they somehow have to compromise this, well, what feels so the, important to them. the laws of attraction. It's no one's job to take care of the other. At some point, the best way to affect these people is never to bring any of this up. Yeah. It's to when you're in a room with them, be the yes. most loving, genteel, happiest, empathic you you can be. Yes. Talk about everything else. You don't yes. even have to discuss health. Just live in the light. And they're going to say, whoa, who yes. is that? And then they're going to inquire. And to and be able. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And to be able to do that sober, I want to say, is such a big deal. Because going back to the drug conversation, I've often said that if I had not found the cleansing lifestyle, I would have gotten into drugs. Absolutely. Because, I mean, for a long time, I felt broken. And even if I wasn't broken, I was looking for something. And I, I wanted I wanted to feel this deep connection. I wanted to feel beauty. And I wanted to feel this high. And I don't think I would have found it anywhere but drugs. But this, like just cleaning out my body, I think that we look for that because we're looking for what our natural state is. Like we reach for these drugs and we reach for these things outside of ourselves because we're looking for our natural state. But when we just remove what's in the way, our natural state is pretty wonderful. Oh, 100%. It's fabulous. See, what drugs do is, I had a friend, Ken Tucker, used to talk about this. Drugs artificially take you to the space you would be if you were clean. Yes. Victor Kovinskis used to say that when you first take any heavy drug, the initial response on the body is this uber high level of alkalinity, which is where the high comes from. But when the residue lands in the cells, it's uber acidic. So you're right. Um, but, but again, with all of these people... The idea is not to rain on their parade. Yes, no, Now, if of someone opens the door to discontent, can I ask you a question, Randy? I mm-hmm. know you're in doubt. I'm doing this high-fat diet, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know. I got Once they open that door to discontent, now you step in. Mm-hmm. But if they're saying, hey, you're not going to believe this, I'm doing this high-fat diet, you know, and I've lost 12 pounds. See, a lot of raw food people, the dogmatic people, will start screaming at them and start a fight. What you should say to them is, that's fabulous, and I'm really happy for you. I hope that goes yes. well. Yes, And then at the point when they're ready to hear you, they will, it'll happen. And if it doesn't happen, 
that's their path. Right, right. Um, so last question to tie up this interview. So this podcast is called the Free Spirit Academy podcast. That's my business name is Free Spirit Academy. And I define a free spirit as any human when they just get to be themselves. So nothing in the way, just pure expression, pure essence. Uh-huh. And I feel like this this lifestyle is so beautifully supportive of that. Do you have anything to add to that as far as like what personal freedom means to you or free spiritedness when you think of that term? I'll tell you a great story. Yeah. I just told this to somebody the other day. There was a place in New York on West 28th Street years, years ago called the Polarity Wellness Center. Met some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life in that place. It was fabulous. Um, they did polarity. They did colonics with the old Durker machine invented by the great Edgar Casey. You don't see it anymore. It was mm. a fabulous machine. And I got to be really good friends with all those people. And that was when I was no longer dying, but still sick. So if you looked at me, you thought, wow, this guy's fucked up. But I was no longer dying. I was acquiring knowledge and realized it was going to work. And this guy named Gary Strauss did a cleansing group. And it really is a great model. I want to do one of these myself. It's a really good model. He got a bunch of people together, and they met. we met every Monday from 7 to 9. And I was already into it. I just did the group for the camaraderie. But for a lot of the people, they were people who were into a lot of spiritual pursuits that were just delving into the physical. Or perhaps they were macrobiotic and wanted to go sure. further. So we sat in the group, and he told everybody what he wanted us to do for the week. And then we all talked stuff. And then we'd meet a week later, and everyone would speak their experiences. And then he'd raise the bar more, and then the, and more, and more, so that by the last week, it was a fast. It was fabulous. People explaining what happened, what happened after they got colonics, blah, blah, blah. But here's the answer to your question. At the end of the whole thing, and people had lost 20 pounds, they, it was fabulous. He said, why do we do this? Why do we do this? The cleansing, the diet, the veganism, the meditation, the silent retreats. Why do we do this? And everyone's giving intellectual answers. And when everyone was done, he smiled and he said, I can remember where I was sitting in the room. That's how powerful this was. He said, we do this because we strive to be more like children. Mm. When you picture kids, five-year-old kids in a playground, and they're doing whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing is their life. They don't notice who's to their left. They don't notice who's to their right. Mm. They don't care about the time. They are immersed in their activity. When we clean the cells, when we empty the cells, we get the spirit of a child. And the spirit of a child can only help the world. And I'll never forget that. Mm. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. And so that's why what you're saying, I think, is 100% correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this. This is so, what you do in the world is so unbelievably valuable. And I'm sure people just tell you this all the time. You're probably sick of it. But I, I mean, I could not be more grateful for your work. It's oh, been I, utterly yeah, transformative. I and, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, can I tell you something yeah. funny to end with colonics? Yeah, yeah. I know it's getting late, but you no, love it. No, it's fine. For myself on a personal level, yeah. the biggest laugh, joke, rush I get is the following. If you speak to a Shiatsuist, Shiatsuists are amazing. They can tell you meridians. They can tell you how the heart connects to the lungs and the emotions that connect with meridians and Mm -hmm. different organic systems and structures in the body, how they interact. And acupuncture can tell you, acupuncture tell you the same. You speak to a rolfer and their knowledge of the skeletal muscular system is incredible. You speak to an herbologist. I have a friend who works in flower power. The woman's knowledge, the background, the skill set is amazing. An orangutan could do colonics. <laughs> I could teach anyone. What these people know, the specifics and the skill set these people have is a 50-gallon garbage pail compared to my thimble. Mm-hmm. And that, but, and here's the fun, if you put all of them in a healing center someplace, and you had a sick person, and they went there for six months, and these people whose skill set is 50 billion times mine, they couldn't do for them in six months what I could do for them in one colonic. Yes. And that yes. is the biggest rush I get in my work, because there is no skill. The, the, the prize, the star of the show is the process. Yes. I'm just the press agent, yes. you know? Um, anyone could do this, and 
that to me is the fun. Like what you just said is very flattering and it has been said and I'm always very moved, but it's kind of funny <laughs> because there is no skill set here. It's just an all out 100% connection to a very brilliant truth concept. Mm-hmm. Well, it reminds you know? me of what I'm always telling people because the people that I tend to work with get really caught up in the, the diet and self-improvement and I've got to fix myself and self-help and all of this. But really, when you stop telling yourself the stories that aren't true and when you really see what's there and who you are and, again, like, get all this stuff out of the way, what's there is pretty great. Like the well, simplicity of it is just unbelievable. It's fabulous. A lot of people who come 8 o'clock at night here, they fast all day, mm-hmm. right? So they come in grumpy and pissed, and when you ask them what's wrong, just what you just said, which is very on point, they're attaching stories as to why they're pissed. They're literally telling you things in their life, right? Mm -hmm. They get on the colonic table, it's eight at night, I pull eight pounds of shit out of it. Now they get up and they start laughing. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that again. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. I was just toxic. I needed to get rid of it. To get rid of the heaviness, and they're happy as a clam, yes. and I love that about yes. this. Clean cells, I told Ali this, clean cells can't be mean. Clean cells are happy cells, and that's the connection between the spirit and the body. Yes. Oh, that's a beautiful summary. Let's end it there. Thank Excellent. you so much, Gail. I really appreciate this. I am so excited to share this with the world. Fabulous. Thank you. A lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks. Well, you have a wonderful night. so much for listening to this conversation. Before I wrap things up, I want to invite you to come join the private Free Spirit Academy Facebook group where I post videos, offer support, and answer questions on all things food and body freedom. And you'll also get a free copy of my ebook, The Eat to Feel Good Diet. I hope to see you there. 